You've got a friend in us. This is episode 24, Forrest Gump, from 1994. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us today, joining us to talk about this Academy Award-winning film, we have from the Cinema Stories series on YouTube, as well as from Venmo, Mr. Austin Wolf Southern. Hello, Austin. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you so much for coming back. It feels like you were just here and you're here again. We are blessed twice in a short amount of time with your presence. Yeah, I was here. I was here for cruise last time, right? Let me see here. You were here for Bonfire of the Van. Oh no, you were here for Mission Impossible Two, and then Bonfire of the Vanities before that. Yeah, look at you, all over the place. And then before that, Cocktail. So, whew, you are quickly becoming a fan favorite. I know I did Mazes and Monsters and Bonfire of the Vanities, which are unquestionably Tom Hanks's most underrated films. Oh, and this is your, as it stands right now, this is your farewell episode of the the TomTom the Tom Club. There's no more lined up in the cards for either Cruz or Hank. So you're going out here with an Academy Award winning film that I honestly don't know how to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, Mike, can you please, in case there's one person listening to this podcast who has not seen Forrest Gump or has not seen it memed or parodied or referenced or homaged literally everywhere since 1994. Which was me yesterday. Really? This was my very first time seeing the movie. Whoa. Really? I guess I'd seen it parodied, but I had never seen any moment of the actual film ever before. Okay, actually, so okay, so before we get to the plot summary, Austin, can you let me know, because I, I, think, I think we know the answers, but before you saw this yesterday, what did you know, or what did you think you knew about this movie? I think what I expected of it and, and what it was... I think it was exactly what I thought it was. Okay. Like, the, this movie did not surprise me. <laughs> I don't think it's in the business of surprising anyone. Yeah. I thought it was a movie about a stupid guy who goes through life and has chance encounters with moments in history, and I knew there was something with him running, mm-hmm. and that it was potentially offensive. Okay. And, you know, yeah, all those things. Did you know that Robin Wright was in it? <laughs> yeah, I think I knew who was in it. And I, I knew there was a character named Lieutenant Dan. Okay. I think I knew that he didn't have legs, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Interesting. Okay. So, Mike, with that baseline from what Austin, I mean, all that stuff is, is correct. Almost enough. Yeah, can you fill in the gaps here of what Forrest Gump yeah. is about? A stupid movie about a stupid person? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, no, okay, so, you know, Forrest Gump is portrayed by Tom Hanks. He is, you know, said to be of below average intelligence. He sort of just kind of goes through life. Like, he plays football in college. He goes and survives Vietnam. He becomes a shrimp boat captain, a ping pong world championship, falls in love with Jenny, best friends with Lieutenant Dan, meets, like, all the presidents. Lots of people get shot around him. Um, (laughs) And it's, uh, at the time, a very impressive special effects reel. It's a big big four-quadrant family film from Robert Zemeckis. And, uh, you know, Academy Award-winning performance by Tom Hanks. So here are the Academy Awards that it won. It won Best Picture. It won Best Actor in a Leading Role, Tom Hanks. It won Best Director. It won Best Adapted Screenplay. It won Best Film Editing. It won Best Visual Effects. It was nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Gary Sinise, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, Set Direction, Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Makeup, and Best Original Score. I remembered while I was reading the trivia that the reason I think that I, for a long time, hated this movie, because I saw this, I don't, I honestly cannot tell you when I saw this movie. Maybe when I was in, like, 
middle school or high school. I don't think I like. I think I'd seen it before. I did like my my massive movie catch up. I think this is one that like you could not escape for a while. But I remembered while reading the trivia that I hated this movie as a film snob because it beat Pulp Fiction for Best Picture and it also beat Shawshank Redemption for Best Picture, which I'm not as fond about. Like I have friends who Shawshank is like their favorite movie of all time. I don't feel that way about that. But this movie, it just hmm. Okay. I just want to mention that I have also never seen the Shawshank Redemption. Well, when we do our uh, Morgan Freeman cast, the uh, thing that takes four years, you know, that's more likely a Stephen King cast, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not like our other King cast, Viva Pod Vegas. No. Um, This movie came out when I was in high school. This movie came out when I had, like, my first girlfriend. We would go to this movie because it was super long and no one would bother us. Wait, how many times did you make out of this movie? Like, two or three times. Okay. I never like saw it as the way everyone else saw it as like not that it's a bad like it's not poorly made you know like I under like I can appreciate like the craft of this movie but I never really liked it and I didn't know I was in like the minority necessarily until I saw this is the end that Seth Rogen movie yeah about the apocalypse and like Jay's outside smoking a cigarette and people are like you probably hate Forrest Gump and he's like yeah it's a horrendous piece of shit and he's like wait what and I was like wait other people like feel that way I was kind of relieved in a sense but I don't know I don't I don't hate this movie but I don't like it very much Austin before we go further did you like this movie I mean you are I think closer to Mike's age I think you're about you're closer to Mike's age maybe than me so you're maybe you came out I guess that doesn't really it's irrelevant because you didn't see it in high school I was trying to relate it to that but did you like this movie not really but I I can't say I disliked it either it's weird right like it doesn't have like the guts to really for me to go either way all the way yeah that's exactly where I fall and I don't want this to be an hour an hour 15 of us just like making fun of a movie that is like beloved by many people because I don't think that's productive I was thinking about this as I just and literally in the minutes leading up to us recording and I was trying to figure out like what doesn't click for this movie about me. And I think Forrest Gump character by design is kind of a nothing character, right? I think it's a really good performance by Tom Hanks of an absolute nothing character by design. Like he just is everywhere. And I think that he is supposed to embody not only Americana, but the way that we view Americana and sort of lucking into all these events that Mikey described in the plot summary. And it doesn't feel earned. It just feels like happenstance. And it just feels coincidental and charmy and cutesy and schmaltzy. It's not bad. Like, I don't think you could point something here and say that's poorly made. I think across the board, this is an exceptionally well-made movie. It's just bland. And I think a lot of that is by design. Yeah. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't have opinions. Right. And this, this is something I was thinking about that normally I might like in a movie, but that he doesn't stand for anything. And like, well, there's the part where he's running and they're asking him, like, are you running for this? Are you running for this? And, you know, and he's just like, no, I just like to run. And I kind of like that, but it also like disconnects you from the movie because who is this person? Like he, he doesn't have feelings about anything or opinions about anything. It's crazy to me, too, because to me, the movie is like, he's a symbol. He's symbolic. He's, you know, like you're saying, like, he's us. He's all of us. He is the country. We are Forrest Gump. But they don't, like, follow through on any of that. Like, in, and with, like, all the voiceover and all of this, it's like someone's reading a book to me the whole time, and I still don't get a grasp of Forrest. Or, like, someone is sitting next to you at a bus stop while you're trying to read <laughs> and just talking nonstop. But what's so bizarre is, like, I don't get anything from it that helps me develop who Forrest is over time. And I, I, I don't 
I mean, it kind of feels to me like using the below average intelligence angle is kind of like an unnecessary gimmick in a lot of ways yeah. because I, I'll, I'll empathize with him in other ways immediately just from the situations he's thrust into and everything. And so it feels at times like it's patronizing. Um, not that it might be trying to do that, but like that's just how it kind of comes across at times. Yeah. Well, in trying to relate to everyone he kind of relates to no one because they're trying to make it so everyone is on his side and no one is like anti-war people can watch this movie but they don't dislike his character and pro-war people can watch this movie and they won't dislike his character because he's just like in the middle and you can kind of read it as like he's with or against whatever you believe but it ends up being yeah, just sort of bland. And I think that goes into what Mike was saying before, describing this like a four-quadrant film. Like, if there's ever a film that's, like, more than four quadrants, like, this is every quadrant. Like, this is anybody who could see this movie. Like, I understand that four quadrants, it's like, it hits all four major demographics, but this is, like, literally everyone who wants to see a movie can find something in here that they relate to. And that is remarkable and also frustrating because it's such a lack of a commitment to a choice. Or the choice is just, this is Americana. And I was, I think the best way, like, what irks me the most, the best way that I can describe it is that I think what the movie is going for and it hits with a lot of people is like admiration through recognition. When you see a movie in theaters and there's a there's a there's like a punchline that's in every trailer, that's in every commercial for the comedy, and like that's the that's the line that like is selling you to go to the theater, right? It's just like, look at this joke, this is a great joke, and then you hear the joke in the movie, and if you're paying attention to trailers, you're paying attention to commercials, you've heard it eight, ten, twelve, fifteen times, and you're like, Yeah, I've heard it, and everyone else erupts into laughter. And I think it's the kind of thing where it's just like, I'm not laughing because this is funny. I'm laughing because I know this, because I've heard this before. This feels comfortable to me. And I feel like that's what this entire movie is. It's like Forrest's mom opening the door, and he's there with Elvis. It's like, oh, I know Elvis. I like this. And there's nothing to that. Like, it's just, oh, there's Nixon. Oh, there's LBJ. There's Kennedy. I know these people. Oh, he's in Watergate. Can you believe it? And it's not bad. Like, it's not dumb. Like, I mean, it's, it's dumb. I think it's dumb, but it's not dumb. But it's just, to what end? To what yeah. end is that all happening? It, it, exactly. And well, I find it especially interesting in light of conversations going on now about reviving James Dean for his own movies and stuff. And it's like, look at what they're doing here. It's not necessarily respectful to Kennedy or, or, or LBJ or any, you know, like all, all the way that they sort of squeeze him into history it's overkill to me and like I'm all for Forrest being like a war vet and you know a shrimp boat captain but it goes too far with the ping pong and the running and the everything else that you just it piles on and it just it's it feels to me the little forced and overkill and if you just pull a lot of this stuff back I think there's a sound structure here like I, I kind of dig that concept of a guy who's there for all of these moments in history, right? Like he's there in the background watching, you know, historical events occur and maybe parts of them and things, but it's, it's, he's too, he becomes too forward. He like in front, you know what I'm saying? Like he becomes too much a part of these events for me at one point where I just, the disbelief is just too much. And I think some of it was supposed to be funny too. Like it was sort of a joke that he makes up the expression shit happens or that he created Elvis's signature dance moves but it doesn't really hit as jokes like i i think that's what they were going for but it, if it was it doesn't hit it feels like every scene is trying to do like marty mcfly inventing rock and roll like that's <laughs> that's sort of yeah. the vibe i got this time and it's just like uh it, they're just not landing for me 
this time. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It reminded me, have you seen The World According to Garp? I have not. With Robin Williams? It reminded me a lot of that movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think it's a very similar structure, and it's much better, and it's just kind of like going through this kid's life, and I don't remember how much like historical significance there is, but just the structure of it was very similar, but that movie like really commits to a viewpoint and, you know, certain political aspirations or whatever. And it, it just worked a lot better. And also Robin Williams isn't just randomly stupid for no real reason. So I don't know. Yeah, I just thought of that movie. And I think it's a better example of what this could be. Yeah, it was it was crazy to me watching it this time because, you know, just back in the day when it, was, when it came out and I really hadn't seen it in like a good 15 15- years years like straight through like just how unnecessary him being dumb is in this movie and not only that like he comes across to me like people i know like normal people like he's he to me feels like normal at times it's it's a weird conception he's dumb as fuck he's (laughs) he's super dumb deciding to run is stupid as hell like i'll give him that but he's fun he functions perfectly fine it seems i mean you know he functions but he's not all there he's he's slow he's definitely slow and it is awkward you know any sexual moments with him and jenny are very strange and awkward and kind of uncomfortable and i don't know if she should be doing that with him because he is dumb like one of the things that irks me and i know this is like a creative choice but it goes into his sort of inability to understand the world around him but like very early on we find out that jenny's mom dies and that jenny's dad then sexually and physically abuses her and her sisters and farce is just like and she didn't live there anymore and it's like well yeah and like i it just feels like like i understand that that's the choice that they're making that they're telling these horrific things and like you're following jenny's story as she's constantly suicidal and you know making poor life decisions and following dangerous men and eventually dying from what apparently is hepatitis C, according to the, not AIDS, but hepatitis C, according to the sequel to this movie. Oh, well, wait. Um, well, really? Okay, so we'll get there. I, I will get into the trivia in a little bit. Didn't know there was a sequel, didn't know it was well, has, I, yeah, I know they've I been assume, trying to make that sequel. I remember that. Yeah, I assume that she got AIDS from Tom Hanks carrying over from Philadelphia. <laughs> so here's the story. So this movie apparently lost money. This was somehow, remarkably. So this movie was like the fastest in studio history, in the studio's history, to like $50 million, $100 million, $150 million, like it made it made so much money so quickly. Tom Hanks was not paid for this movie. Instead, he took points in the back end. He got paid like $40 million for this role. Apparently, the guy who wrote the novel that this is based on had, like I think, optioned for like $50,000. It was some like minuscule amount of money, in, you know, in terms of Hollywood money, right? Like a minuscule amount of money with some kind of rev share on the back end. And the studio then was just like, oh, well, since we lost money because, you know, promotion, distribution, and the interest charged all that, we actually lost money, so we can't pay you. Sorry. And so he sued the studio, and the studio, like, settled eventually by just giving him a seven-figure option for the sequel, which is called Gump & Co. And so the movie supposedly lost money, but because it was such a hit to a certain extent, critical hit, won all these Oscars, nominated for a whole bunch more, you know, gave Tom Hanks back-to-back. He's the hottest actor in the world, really. There's a Bubba Gump restaurant I've eaten at. In like, 33 cities, I think it Insane. Is. And so Tom Hanks at the time is just like, I don't do sequels, which feels like Cage, which I did not realize he did not do sequels. Aside from Toy Stories, he... he so, he yeah, no, but at this time, he had not done sequels. He's like, I'm not doing sequels. So then, after he does Toy Story, I guess Pixar is like, we want to do 
a sequel. He's like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And then, you know, later on, he'll do Da Vinci Code, he'll do the prequel Angels and Demons, and then he'll do whatever the follow-up is, whatever. But anyway, like, for a while, he was like, I'm not doing sequels. So then he finally changes his mind, then they're like, cool, we're gonna do Forrest Gump 2, now that you're on board, because they were like, we're never gonna make this movie with, any, like, a sequel with anyone other than Tom Hanks. It's Hanks or bust. And so for a while, he was saying, no, 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 no sequels, we're not doing it. And then he's like, all right, maybe. And then 9-11 happens. Oh. And that ruins the entire idea. Whatever they had the idea, it's all gone. And so apparently huh. they have worked and reworked and reworked and tried to make this movie somehow, some way, and it just hasn't happened. Wow. And it's apparently still in development hell. Like, it's still, I guess, being tried to be revived, which now would be crazy. But, like, having, you know, Papa Hanks and, like, Slow Joey as his son, oh, like... Oh, dude, I can't... I know, That's I insane. hope they like yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just because it seems... I understand a lot of production was put on hold after 9-11, but it seems like that would fit right into this guy's oh yeah you know 100%. that would that would be incorporated and that they would be like oh like we you know let's yeah so it would be crazy if they did that like you know next year if they did gump 2 wow yeah but so in the sequel novel gump and co uh, apparently robert zemeckis never made a decision on what the illness was he never told robin wright what the illness was he's just like it doesn't matter uh, it matters uh, but you know why it matters to me and i'll just <laughs> immediately because at the time everyone's like it's aids it's AIDS, they're just dancing around it, and it's just another reason why this movie doesn't, you know, go all the way, is by saying what she has, but it just, the timeline, how does it work out? Like, she sleeps with Forrest, he doesn't have a virus or a disease, she has Slow Joey, he doesn't have a virus or disease, and then she gets AIDS, like, it was just very, in my, you know what I'm saying, without an answer, it raised too many questions. We don't know that Slow Joey doesn't have it, so, I mean, maybe he's not in the sequel. I do love that, and I, I, I don't want to ever really say his actual name. I just love that the three of us all know him as Slow Joey, and that's what it's going to be forever. I love him as Slow Joey. He's the best as Slow Joey. He's the greatest. So, apparently, based on Jenny's dialogue, and based on the time period when she got sick, people were like, oh, HIV, it's AIDS, it's that, right? But then, in the novel sequel, Gump and Co., the author's, like, casually like, oh, yeah, she died of hep C. It's like, ah. Oh. oh, so the book was actually written? Well, like they the wrote books? the book. They were, gonna, oh, they were no adapting shit. the book. Yeah, the, the oh. second book is out. Does the first book specify what she I don't had? think so. That's interesting. That's weird. I didn't know that the actual sequel book was actually written, Book too. club, Mike. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Gump and Co. is a 95 novel by Winston Groom, the sequel of Forrest Gump, which the novel came out in 86. It was written to chronicle Forrest life throughout the 1980s. So, mm. You know what movie I like that does this that I like more is Benjamin Button. It's very similar while I was watching this. Same screenwriter. Yeah, same screenwriter. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, he's got a impediment, right? Like he ages in reverse. Um, he's actually, I don't know, I feel like I grow to know Benjamin Button way more than I did Forrest Gump. And he's sort of doing the same thing thing right like he's coasting through historical events i think they it's much earlier if i'm not mistaken but yeah i, I kind of like that that flow a lot better so but all that sequel news is wild it's crazy right and i almost don't know that we should do like i kind of want to forego our favorite and least favorite moment because this movie is essentially one two-hour moment kind of one after the other yeah it's a montage yeah there's not really any moment that stands out one way or the other from any other moment i do have a favorite performance i mean that's the one thing i i got away from this movie like i really do like gary sinise i did not know this actor before this movie uh i don't really know him much after this movie per se like i know i've seen some of his work but like i haven't followed him very much uh but i thought he was really good in this i thought he was the best part of this mike he will be in two more hanks movies both of which are nominated for Best Picture. He'll be in Apollo 13 and The Green Mile. Sweet. Okay, yes. I remember him in Apollo. 
So two of our next, like, six or seven films, probably, he'll be in. This is the only one that won Best Picture, but he and Hanks have a pretty successful run here in the 90s. You know, and his character has a terrific arc. Like, I would love to just watch the Lieutenant Dan movie and see, like, an hour before he even goes to Nam and his whole history about everyone and his family dying in war. Like, that's solid stuff, you know? And, like, he feels like he has a destiny and he's supposed to die in Vietnam and he doesn't and eventually comes to terms with that. And I just thought that whole arc was, to be quite honest, I was, like, holding on to that this time watching this movie getting through it and stuff. He even gets his new legs. You know, I like McKelty Williamson in this. I, I don't know, Mike, if you've started watching Justified, but he plays like the big bad guy in season two, I think. Elmore Limehouse, which he, he's, he's so cool on, on Justified. So check that out. Okay, here, speaking of all these roles, here are some ideas of who was considered or cast or turned down the different major roles. I'll work my way up, okay? First, the director, Terry Gilliam and Barry Sonnenfeld both turned down the chance to direct a film. Good call. Terry Gilliam, I think, would have been an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Gilliam may have done something more interesting with it. It feels like they got Robert Zemeckis because like, he made one of not only the my favorite movies of all time, but technically one of the most impressive films ever made, Roger Rabbit, right? Like that movie just yeah. by sheer like technical ability, like it was one of the greatest movies ever produced. Like, And, and so I think like he did a it was a good job getting him in here to handle like all the effects stuff and all of that yeah. vision. Like that stuff is on point. And I think they also did, you know, what you said before, referencing Marvel. Marty McFly inventing rock and roll, I think that's kind of why they went with him, too. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, yeah. we're trying to create Americana. We're trying to create history kind of by accident, but kind of on purpose through this guy, right? And so I think it's the same kind of parallel there that he made this movie where Marty sort of shapes the future. And here, Forrest Gump is sort of shaping the timeline of uh, America. I always forget that Marty invented skateboarding, too. It's so well <laughs> seam- seamlessly blended into that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so Lieutenant Dan, the Gary Sinise role, Joe Pesci was considered... Um, but not cast. Hmm. I think that would have been uh, hmm. <laughs> good, I guess, but I don't know. I just think of my cousin Vinny as Lieutenant yeah. Dan. I don't know that it works. No. He doesn't have that kind of tough guy. He's like, he's tough and intimidating in like a, a casino way, but I couldn't see him in like a military garb, like shooting a machine gun. I don't know. For the role of Bubba, David Allen Greer turned it down. Ice Cube turned it down, saying he refused to play an idiot. Well, he didn't keep up that promise. <laughs> and Dave Chappelle turned it down, saying he thought the movie would bomb. Dave Chappelle has since admitted to deeply regretting <laughs> not taking the role, and then he would later go on to play Tom Hanks' best friend in You've Got Mail. Interesting. A little bit of young Chappelle. And the other Bubba news is that Tupac auditioned to play Bubba. What? the hell dude i need a movie about the making of this movie like this like yeah like a uh the island of dr moreau or the richard stanley's do like lost yeah or, or like hearts of darkness by mm-hmm. coppola's wife like <laughs> i need like gump doc now <laughs> i'm sort of surprised that there hasn't been or at least that i haven't seen and i get the tom hanks school alerts to sort of keep up with what's going on because this is the 25th anniversary right so i'm surprised that there hasn't been like a an oral history of because the internet loves oral histories now. yeah there's no noise yeah and then for the role of forrest gump harry anderson was robert zemeckis's first choice i don't what? i guess that's harry dean anderson no harry anderson from night court well it's harry anderson from whoever, whoever was on dave's world that was a sitcom I don't know. I'm going to look this up. I thought I thought one of you might know who this is. I know who Harry Anderson is from Night Court, the comedian magician. Yeah, from like the It television movie. Like, yes. he, he, he was not a marquee, like, he's not a leading man. Like, what the hell? According to the novelist, Winston Groom, his perfect Forrest Gump was John Goodman. Oh, that I could see that. Okay. The list of people is only three who had turned down the role, and I cannot see this movie with any of them. Bill Murray... John Travolta, 
and Chevy Chase. How can you not see this movie with John Travolta? Are you insane? That's all I can see Travolta now. Travolta later admitted that passing on the role was a mistake. That yeah, oh I, my god. I can I can see all of them in, in this I wouldn't role. I mean Bill Murray would probably do like his, you know, like, like the voice he does when he does like on Caddyshack or whatever. Like I could see that character oh, as yeah, the Caddyshack. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't, I still I can't see. I don't know. I think that this is like this is the kind of role and I feel like we've had guests talk about this Mike. It's the kind of role that in my mind is so specifically tied to Tom Hanks that I can't see anyone else in it. But you know, later when we're going to play Ken Tom Cruise do it. Yes, if only for the running, right? Like he runs all oh over the God. place and we <laughs> <laughs> that he can run. And speaking of running, Tom Hanks' brother, Jim Hanks, doubled for him in many of the running scenes. So there's another Hanks on set here. He had the beard and the hair to hide it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's weird because, like, it, it just occurred to me watching it this time how much Tom Hanks just kind of feels like a prop amongst you know, the rest of this film. And it's like, yeah, now it works even better that it's Hanks because he, like, represents Americana in a lot of ways, like the embodiment of it almost now, even playing Mr. Rogers and such. So, like, it's weird how this movie's aged in that way for me. And, like, watching it now, he's just another sort of, like, it's hard for me to disconnect that it's even Tom Hanks because I'm like, wow, it's like a piece of history is, like, actually in this movie about, like, this guy who's, like, playing someone going through history. Yeah, it's weird to think about it like that, but... Yeah. Do you have a favorite part, Joey, or Austin? The way that I was going to describe, the only way that I can think that, like, I relatively moderately enjoyed this movie, I think it's just, it's a pleasant movie. I mean, there's terrible things that happen, but it kind of, for a movie that's two hours and 20 minutes long, and maybe because it's on my phone a little bit, my little bit, I mean, more than a little bit, but it kind of goes by quickly. Like, I think it's a very, again, by design, pleasant, keep up the pace, keep things moving. This is just a story. He's going from place to place. It just sort of flows. And I think that there's, as much as we've talked about that I would like to see this have like make a choice in any regard I think the fact that it gets from the beginning to the end literally a two hour story like I checked the timestamp when he finally talks to the woman on the bench she's like oh that's only six blocks that way like it's two hours almost exactly so it's like a two hour flashback and that kind of flies by and it's not super enjoyable to me but I think for a movie that is this long you know closing in on two and a half hours it moves quickly it's got a pace to it and it's impressive in that regard I think do you feel that way or do you, do you disagree? So you're saying your favorite moment yeah, is I, I love this it. movie. That's, I guess that's the point. No, I think it's just like the overall kind of mood of the movie. Like, I don't like the movie, but I feel like watching it, like, it's not like I got frustrated or annoyed. I'm just like, this isn't doing it for me. Well, this movie is like propaganda for me. Where it's, oh, sure. You know, by design, it's making you feel that way. Like, you know, you're seeing, like, how many guys does Forrest beat the shit out of in this to protect Jay, right? Like, his go-to thing is anger and just punch someone out. But right after, they play some music and show a scene where, like, you feel great and you're like I love you Forrest and I, I feel good about my, being myself right now and then you know on to the next part of the, like the two and a half hour montage movie and, and so forth but like I, I don't know like I think that's part of why it keeps going is because it never really settles anywhere and it just I, it just like jumps and jumps and jumps through time and stuff I, I would almost rather like we have more time in the present you know between these flashbacks and stuff like what if he gets on the bus and starts riding it around town in a circle and talking to more people you know he needs to pick up another box of chocolates I mean I don't know it's also kind of weird that like he spends maybe that's again by design I don't know but he spends so much time on 
buses in the flashback, like as a kid in the military, and then he never actually gets in the goddamn bus. That's true. That's amazing. <laughs> also, his daughter, Elizabeth Hanks, the girl in the school bus with the red hair is Tom Hanks' daughter. So she's on the bus. Her His actual daughter is in this movie. Is she one of the ones who's mean to him or says you can't sit by me? Jenny's the only one who's not mean to him, and she's not Jenny, so... Yeah, so I guess so. Sight's taken. Like, I think another thing, like, to uh, sort of goes along, maybe proves that this is, like, a really well-made and sort of designed movie, and I won't deny it that. Like, it's just, like, I can't handle it anymore, I guess. But, like, there's so many quotable lines and memorable lines and all, like, me and Jenny is peas and carrots or, like, run, Forrest, run, or, like, all this stuff. Like, there's, you know, you got new legs. Like, all you know, this shrimp, that shrimp, the other shrimp. Like, it's remarkable how much i mean maybe not you austin since you just saw it but like it's this movie is so like deep in the zeitgeist of the culture and uh i had forgotten like maybe not anymore but definitely like you know the late 90s yeah i mean it was weird to see run forest run because that was certainly around in the 90s <laughs> just something that people said all the time but the other stuff i don't you know yeah there's some stuff that like felt familiar even though just because i'd seen it parodied yeah. so many times or referenced so many times yeah so it's, it's always strange to watch a movie like that and i think that's that's kind of you know it's not only just like simpsons did it but it's simpsons and south park and family guy and like when a movie like this just has been done by everyone and everything and snl and what the mad tv and whatever like it really truly very very few movies kind of live on forever like people love shawshank i mean i guess shawshank's a bad example because i feel like a lot of people like actually like 94 like for the best picture like i feel like pulp fiction and shawshank and forrest Gump all kind of live on but there's a lot of movies that have won best picture that have been you know worldwide hits that like don't stay with us and i feel like for better or worse this movie has staying power and i think there's something commendable about that doesn't make me like it anymore but there's something about the manufacturing of it the creation of it the artistry behind it that is impressive it doesn't make me like it but it's remarkable i think uh, i guess I think that's another thing too is like maybe maybe I'm like <laughs> maybe I'm just like real cynical now and stuff but I watch this too and and I think about like back then with the special effects like just to talk about those for a minute and they're pretty they're pretty good like uh, most of them hold up Lieutenant Dan is great like that's seamless still they had a, they apparently had a magician build the uh, I don't remember which magician it was but build a wheelchair it was Harry Anderson yeah <laughs> <laughs> to hide his legs so that was like actual sort of practical and then he had like a blue blanket or something that they could remove and post but between that like they actually like that was a blend of practical and uh you know digital yeah and then they have you know four shaking all the president's hands and all that kind of thing and like inserting him into old footage and stuff and like part of this just feels like a visual effects reel at this point and and that's not necessarily a bad thing because like it's held up really well and i actually think there's some tricks that they do in this movie that they should re-implore in the modern age which is they uh, a very interesting trick with the mouth that they do where they have like um they don't like animate it but they have like in those old cartoons that used to be sort of a still frame and then you'd see like a real person's mouth talking uh like under it yeah the the conan the conan o'brien effect Right, yeah, Conan used to do bits like that too. And I feel like they're doing that here, maybe to save money, maybe because they don't have the capacity to do anything um, more. But I feel like that works better than like, you know, things now, even in some Marvel movies, when they de-age characters, the mouth is still really tricky to, and, and it's hard to convince. Uh, so, so like, I really like that about this movie. I, I love the, the technical accomplishment that it is. 
And I mean, like, if not for nothing, like, that's a replay, a rewatchable value to it. Yeah, I guess. I appreciate <laughs> it's uh, the technical aspect of it and that it, it holds up fairly well, but it, it doesn't draw me back to this movie. Yeah, I don't need to see this movie ever again. Yeah, I don't think that I do either. Like, I think that this is one that, Mike, you and I have been at the end of every episode, or at least, you know, the last Hanks one, the last Cruise one, sort of looking ahead to this. You and I have both been kind of fearing, and it mm-hmm. wasn't as bad as my mind had made it out to be but it's not good like i didn't enjoy it i just didn't hate it oh yeah it's not unpleasant to watch at all i mean it's very easy to watch but it just doesn't do anything but i also you know like i when i logged this on letterboxd i have no idea what star rating i didn't give it a star rating because i don't know how to rate this movie because i think technically it's nearly perfect for that time but like in terms of enjoyment not at all and i would probably wind up mike somewhere where you are like in the two three ish range but like i don't know what that and then like putting it like ranking it on the tom hanks list like oh man already admitting that like the ranked order of like of the movies that we do makes no goddamn sense like none of it makes sense but i don't know where to put this i put it sort of toward the bottom actually right around punchline the other <laughs> tom hanks sally field movie oh my gosh um, where they play uh, love interest as opposed to <laughs> mother son but yeah like i just i don't know because this is not a movie that i would tell people to watch this is not a movie that i'm ever going to watch again this is not a movie that I, I, I looked forward to seeing i think that he's great in it i think it's got that going for it but other than that like i there's not i they, i can't get behind this I don't think he's good in this. Can I say that? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't... You don't? I don't think it's a good performance. I mean, it's not the worst. It's fine for what it is, but there's nothing, like, extraordinary about this performance. He's just doing a voice. What he does is smart is he's very... He doesn't go simple Jack, right? He doesn't go all the way. It's not a full hard R, right? Like, he mm-hmm. he's very restrained. He's doing nothing, if anything, right? Like, that's what I like about his performance. Not that it, like, helps me relate to Forrest any easier, but I can appreciate someone who's just like, if he's got nothing to say, he won't say anything. You know, he'll just sit there staring out into the yard like Joey's neighbor down the street who sits in the front yard all day long, right? Ooh, local references. But like, you know what I mean? Like he, you know, he doesn't need to do something. Like I kind of appreciate that about Forrest Gump. Like he could just sit on the porch. That's why he won the Oscar according to mm. Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Tropic Thunder is because he doesn't go all the way. But I'd kind of rather see that. Not that it would make it better. I know it won it. But like, it's more fun. Like, I'd rather watch Riding the Bus with my sister with Rosie O'Donnell. Like, I think that's a more more fun movie because she's fucking going for it. And I just think he's not really doing much. I mean, there's some moments when, I guess when Jenny dies and when he like finds out that he's a dad where he's like, he's like acting there, but most of the movie he's just kind of blank and he's just doing a stupid voice. And I don't, I wasn't impressed with it. I think that's what I admire about it in a way. Like, I don't know, like the fact that he is able to so far remove personality and like who he is, like he kind of, I mean, to me, kind of loses himself into this role in a way. Like, I'm not seeing Tom Hanks on there. I'm seeing a character. And I feel like that's, especially for me, like I'm not able to do that usually. And I think that normally when I'm seeing like, especially, you know, with Tom Cruise, like I, on average, I think Mike, you're there with me, maybe not, but I think you and I have pretty much both liked on average Cruise Club movies more than Hanks movies, at least so far. But I think that for the most part, like a lot of them are kind of Tom Cruise movies, right? Like they're kind of like, we like them because they are what they are. But you see them on screen, you're like, oh, that's Tom Cruise doing this thing. Like here, it's not that. Like here, it's just, it's a guy so lost into the role 
and not lost in the role in a way that like you know Heath Ledger as a Joker or something it's where it's like it's scary it's just like I can't believe or like you know Daniel Day-Lewis kind of you know don't refer to me as anything other than Abraham Lincoln like I'm just I'm 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 Lincoln right now it's not that but it just feels like I can't believe how how committed he is to this mm. in a way that I think just doesn't happen too often. Not that this is the only time it's ever happened, but I feel like this performance, this movie, this role hit me in a way that most others don't. Like I feel mm. like every actor tries to go for to some extent in every movie, but it it's rare, I think, that I so see someone lose themselves so deeply in this. And I think that's what worked for me because he's such a blank slate, because he is not there, because he doesn't feel like he's acting. I think that's kind of the greatest acting of all. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I just didn't feel that. I just didn't get that. It makes me wonder if they if they like added more voiceover because his performance is so sort of restrained and quiet is like his sort of baseline in this. And I I think it's good and bad. Like I like it because like I said earlier, like most of this movie, I don't take him to be dumb. Like he's doing things just you know normal he's fine he's just functioning perfectly fine but then there's other moments like we've come up with that are like oh no like yeah he he you know like the stuff with like he just isn't aware as as aware of what's going on like with jenny's dad or with his mom or whatever when people get sick and this and that he'll just jump off the boat and swim to shore like he doesn't know how to park his boat um but like that's the thing is like most movies do go too far and for this one not to go like all the way with that performance performance may have sort of been the key to what Hanks was looking for, where he's like, I'll just do the opposite instead of be like the big explosive stereotype. I'll just be like sort of the stoic something they've never seen before. And that way, maybe it's easier to buy what he's doing, you know, like he's not so in your face, you know, with his with his actions or anything like that. You know what a good performance is that I feel matches everything that you guys are saying? A really subtle performance of, like, a dim-witted character that doesn't overdo it and just they, like, lose themselves in it uh, is Haley Joel Osment as Slow Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Is an example of everything you just said about Forrest Gump that I did not get from Tom Hanks in this movie at all. I will will cede that point to you. This is Slow Joey's film debut. So he was apparently recognized in Pizza Hut commercial. They're like, I want that kid to play Forrest Jr. The rest is history. The rest, as they say, is history. A couple more little bits of trivia that I have, because I don't have anything else to say about the movie, I don't think. Some Tom Hanks acting choices. According to him, his Vietnam speech, because it gets unplugged and we don't hear what it says. Sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. That's a bad thing. That's all I have to say about that. So in case you were wondering what he said, that's what he said. He talked for longer than that. Well, he spoke very slowly, I guess. When Forrest first learns to play ping pong, he's told to keep his eye on the ball. And apparently from then on, whenever he's playing ping pong, he never blinks. Compare that to every photo of him in this movie, his eyes are closed. So that's, again, a choice. Apparently the ping pong ball was never a real ping pong ball. It was always CGI. So every ping pong shot in this movie is CGI, which is, I think, pretty impressive. On the bus, I think, when they're talking about when Bubba's like, this is my name, people call me Bubba, and then Tom Hanks says, my name is Forrest Gump, people call me Forrest Gump. That was an ad-lib line by Tom Hanks, and then Zemeckis liked it so much, he decided to keep it in. And then the last acting choice that I have here is that Hanks uh, wanted to use, uh, he wanted to sort of dial back the accent a little bit, and then Zemeckis was like, no, like, in the in the novel, what we adapted this from, it's very heavy. And so Hanks then adapted his style of speech to the kid who plays young Forrest. That, that kid, that's his actual way of speaking. And so he kind of just took that as the baseline and then, you know, made that into how he sounded, which I think is cool, I guess. I have 
Two other little bits of trivia, and then I have no more notes about this movie. Kurt Russell apparently did the voice of Elvis in this movie. He reprised his role from the film Elvis. And relating to our other podcast, Cruise Club, Warner Brothers gave up the rights to this film in 1988 in exchange for the rights to Executive Decision, a Kurt Russell film, because Warner Brothers felt the project had lost its commercial promise after Rain Man. So I guess similarly, you know, Dustin Hoffman playing uh, a, a man of lesser intelligence, or however the politically correct way to say that is, and they're like, we can't make the same movie, essentially. So they're like, you can have this. We'll take a movie where, spoiler, Steven Seagal dies, Kurt Russell on a plane or something. I don't know. And so they traded the rights of the movie, and then this movie went on, I guess, to lose money, but is, you know, beloved by many. So that's all I got. Uh, Austin, do you have any other thoughts, any other things you want to say about Forrest Gump before we uh, ask a very couple, a couple of hard-hitting questions? Just that I, I felt really bad for especially the first woman at the bus stop because she did not want to be talked to. And she was just reading a magazine and he wouldn't shut up and it was like like that person on an airplane where you're like reading and you have headphones on and they're just like where are you headed and it it made me dislike him right away yeah fair point and i i just thought he was rude but i didn't dislike him you know throughout but i thought it was just that intro to him was like leave her alone so felt for her oh he's named after a kkk leader the guy who founded the kkk that was thought that up. was weird and he also plays the founder of the kkk yeah that was rough not great tom that might be that might be the lowest moment that 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 shot of him putting the hood down and then the they it just zooms out like birth of a nation style and you just see the whole calvary of clan members and it's like yee, yee. Yeah, there's apparently a lot of the main actors in this movie play a couple roles like mckelty williamson plays obviously bubba but he also plays a waiter who i think i think he might be the waiter who takes the caps off the dr peppers for him uh sally field also plays a male reporter toward the end gary sneeze i think plays someone else in the movie like there's a bunch of people playing two roles i don't know why anyway sorry sorry austin sorry to interrupt you anything else that you wanted to say i mean i guess if i have a favorite moment it was toward the end where Forrest gives Jenny uh, the box of chocolates and he said, I ate some of them. And that for me was a very relatable moment because <laughs> I've given my girlfriend chocolates with a few having been eaten already because I couldn't stop myself because I'm a chocoholic. There you go. I mean, it's, it's okay. You're, you're, among, you're among fellow addicts. So that, yeah, I, that was just a moment that I kind of laughed at because I was like, oh, like me. See, he's all of us. <laughs> yeah. Forest is us. We are Forest. I uh, just mentioned the, the Dr. Pepper scene. Mike, it kind of reminded me of another Tom Hanks film, Volunteers, with a Coca-Cola advertisement in the middle. Someone, someone get me a darkly colored soft drink stat. Anything else that you want to say, Mike? Any other thoughts about Forrest Gump? Like, it's, like I understand, like, if this is someone's, like, favorite movie, if people love this movie, if this is, you know, if they think this is great, like, I mean, you know, the three of us may not be the most, you know... We might not be the popular opinion. I don't know, but like, yeah, it's 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 not. It's it's so weird about it. I just wish I could say I loved it or I hated it, but instead I'm just like, it is. It's just like it it it's there. It is. It's Forrest Gump. Like it sure is. Like I don't know really what else to say. I think for a while it was cool to hate this movie, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I think this is sort of one that people are kind of coming around on again because it is kind of a feel-good movie that doesn't really exist anymore. Is it the most feel-good movie where the most people get, like, assassinated in? 
and somebody dies of hep C? Probably. Probably. Yeah, so that's an accomplishment. Oh, one other thing that I wanted to say was that comedian Al Madrigal has a special called Shrimpin' Ain't Easy, which I think is just a play on Pimpin' Ain't Easy. But in this movie, Bubba says Shrimpin' is tough. I thought it, I wanted him to say Shrimpin' Ain't Easy, but I wondered, <laughs> no, you know. That's if Ice, if Ice Cube was playing Bubba. He'd Shrimpin' that. Ain't Easy, but it's necessary. All right, so, very important question. Does Tom Hanks in this film do anything that sets him on the road to becoming America's dad? Uh, he has a kid. He becomes an actual father. Um, yeah. But he also, like, steers the course of American history somehow. <laughs> yeah, he becomes, he fathers America, he, fa- he literally fathers America. Yeah, but it, just in terms of him being, like, charming and likable, then, yeah, I think this was a pivotal role. So it's like a soft yes, but it's a yes. It's a yeah, yeah. It's a yes. For, it's a hard yes for oh, me. Oh, that's a yes for me, dog. I, I actually thought it was kind of adorable when he sits down next to Young Forest and they're watching Sesame Street and they both sort of like cock their head to the side the same way and everything. And they're at the bus stop and he and he's like, I can't get on the bus with strangers and just oh, just like his old man. It's like kind of cute. So in that way, it's like oh, he's he's very fatherly. Like you know, I could he's gonna be raising Forest Junior until uh, Forrest Jr. dies of AIDS that he caught from his mother. <laughs> oh, yeah. After the, all that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, I made the joke before that he could run his way through this movie. Do you think, in all reality, Tom Cruise could play the role of Forrest Gump? The running was funny because I knew that question was going to come up. And it was just like, I, I don't know if Tom Cruise can handle all that running. I mean, has Tom Cruise played simple? I don't think so, but... I mean, I kind of think he could just because I think anyone could play this role because <laughs> I think it's not a complicated role to play. But I know you guys are not on the same Well, no, it's, it's not that as much as like, I think my my baseline for this question is that I think Tom Cruise can do anything. Like, I don't necessarily think he's like the greatest actor living, but I think that based on what we've seen him do, maybe not in 1994, maybe not back this far, but knowing what he's going to do, especially you know, what we've covered already with like Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia and stuff like that, like, I think he has an ability he has shown he's demonstrated an ability to kind of be able to do anything that he sets his mind to and i Mm -hmm. think he could play this i don't know if it would be good because i think you need a softer personality here but i'm gonna say probably it's hard to picture him in the role and in like plain simple but i don't i bet he could do it I feel like he's maybe his resting rate is a little too intense. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. But I'd like to see it. I think he I think most of it would be similar. You know, I don't think there's a way to play Forrest to make him more interesting necessarily. Like I wouldn't know how to put a spin on this character. Just make him smarter, I guess. But um <laughs> other than that, like it it's just the it's the role to me, I feel like you know what I'm saying? Like I, I almost like I was saying earlier how Hanks now feels like part of uh the nostalgia of this mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. is like you kinda insert big star actor into that role. Anybody but Harry Anderson basically. And like I think like it would come out close to the same movie. Yeah. I can see that. I I think this is just like, again, by choice, by artistry, like it's just so generic, like specifically generic that I feel like you could sort of plug and play a lot of different things and would kind of be both a wildly different movie and also a very similar movie. It's, it's, it's strange in that way. It's I don't know. strange, right? Because it hits on so many things and it, yeah. never, it never scratches the surface of any of it. Like he goes to a Black Panther party and like punches out like a white guy at a black, like 
do you guys remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that scene, I didn't like that scene because the Black Panthers side with the white guy who hit a woman. That I don't think that's right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, that puts like a negative spin on the Black Panthers that I don't, I don't think it would go that way. And it's like, why even bother though, like, putting Forrest Gump in there like he doesn't need to go to a Black Panthers meeting like come on but it's kind of funny how his like great-great-grandfather like started the KKK and like he's in a Black Panther party meeting I didn't mind that he met up with the Black Panthers I, I liked most of that scene but I, yeah I didn't like how it ended yeah for me it was just another example of like you know too many either too many places or just too many obtuse like scenarios for Forrest to find himself in all of a sudden yeah, they should have kicked out the guy who hit her, and then, I don't know, they just move on. Like, Forrest doesn't need to be, like, expelled from that situation. It could just move on, you know? He's constantly expelled for saving a woman who's being abused, and, be- and, and like, all the guys around him are like, you get out of here. Well, not really, because I, I think that's the only time he saves her when she's actually in peril. Yeah, what's well, another time? Um, in her car at the college, and then she's like on stage performing at one point. Oh, on yeah, on stage performing. I guess I think she could have handled herself, but yeah, she was being harassed. But in the car, I think she was just making out with a guy, and she was perfectly content. I think on like a broader scale, on a bigger level, and I don't want to whatever the like male savior, like the fridging or the the man, the mansplaining of like saving a woman. Like I feel like to a certain extent, Jenny has shown she's demonstrated an ability or a choice to like constantly put herself into less desirable situations. And I think that in a lot of those cases, Austin, you're absolutely right. Like she could handle herself, or she's not necessarily doing a bad thing. But I think Forrest to some extent, realizes that she's not living the life that she quote-unquote should be or whatever. And I think he's trying to save her from that. Um, And so he's not necessarily saving her life, but I think he's trying to give her a better life in a way, even if he doesn't know that's what he's doing. Yeah, I guess it was just the first one that really bugged me because she's a college girl making out with some guy in a car. Like, that that is a pretty normal thing to do. All right, time to nominate this film for some Woody's, the Tom Hanks Awards. Best film, worst film? I don't think it's either. I think it's a very, again, the definition of down the middle. No, definitely not. That might be the role that this movie serves. So, like, basically, when I rank my favorite movies for a year, I have kind of two different bars. Like, I have, like, whatever I think is the most average movie of a year. Like, the year that Fantastic Four, Fan Stick, came out, I th- thought was, like, that was, like, the definition of, like, an average movie. Like, Chuck Klosterman, pop culture, music, entertainment writer, has said that Van Halen's Everybody Wants Some is the definition of an average rock song. If a song is better than that, it's a good song. If a song is worse than that, it's a bad song. And I think <laughs> Fan Stick, that year at least, when it came out, I was like, this is my baseline of, like, what an average movie is. It's not good. It's not bad. I don't like it. I don't dislike it. If it's better than this, I think it's a good movie. If it's worse than this, I think it's a bad movie. Maybe this movie, maybe Forrest Gump, is that barometer for Hanks. It's like, is the movie better or more enjoyable than Forrest Gump? It's good. Is it less than or worse than Forrest Gump? It's not good. Maybe that's the role that this can serve, Mike. Like, this is our baseline for, like, the average Tom Hanks movie. Right, the litmus test. I'm fully on board with that. That, (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense to me. 
So what's below this? What's like not all, not everything below this, but what's the what's immediately below this and immediately above this? Okay, so on my list, and I don't know if this is where it's gonna sit. Ah, oh boy, and this is you know I you're gonna have an issue with this because right above it. <laughs> oh, I know what's above. <laughs> no, wait, this is Hanks now. No, okay. it's it's the other one that you are irrationally uh, fond of. Immediately above this is Bonfire of the Vanities. And then immediately below this, I have Bachelor Party. Oh, okay. All right. So below this and Hanks, there's 21 movies that we've watched before. This is episode 24, but we've done 21 movies because we did two episodes of Bosom Buddies and one of Family Dies. So below this, from 15 down, from most favorite to least favorite, or however we want to rank this, for me, Bachelor Party, Punchline, The Man with One Red Shoe, Mazes and Monsters, which I know you like more than I do, mm, Radio Flyer, Every Time We Say Goodbye, Nothing in common. What was every time we say goodbye? That was the one where he was in Jerusalem? Oh my god, I wiped that from my mind. Yeah. And then nothing in common is the one with... Uh, Jackie Gleason. Oh, they've got nothing in common. Okay. And then above this, I have going up, Bonfire of the Vanities, He Knows You're Alone, Volunteers, Splash, and then from there. <laughs> I love how He Knows You're Alone. You know, I saw Hanks the other night on something, and they were like, what was your first role? And I was crossing my fingers that he would mention that movie, but he didn't. He, he was talking about, like, commercials or something like yeah, that. Damn. Mm-hmm. No, like, that's, you know, it's not a good movie, but, like, it's it's exactly kind of what we wanted to talk about, so yeah. You know, no, I, I think it. it's like it's 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 like your your younger brother or sister's like first horror film. It's like a great mm-hmm. entry level horror film. I feel for kids, which sounds crazy. <laughs> so I think that this movie is the barometer, the average. This is the baseline. This is the the, the y axis for Hanks. Okay. This is if a movie's better than this, if a movie's more fun, if we like it more, it's good. If it's worse, if we don't like it, if it's bad, it's bad. So so we have you on record saying that Bonfire of the Vanities is a good movie. Yeah, I will, uh... I love it. Forrest Gump is in the middle. This is, like, ever so slightly to the right. Like, ever so slightly. Like, it's on the it's on the, it's on on the the right side of history. That's all it takes is just that little... Just a little bit better than Forrest Gump means it's a good movie. <laughs> Best of the worst, most fun, bad film, no. Best or worst Hank's role? I know that Austin does not think so. I'm not going to vote for it, Mike. Like, in the end, like, I'm not going to say that Hank, that this is his best role, but do you think, like, I kind of think that we have to say yes? I think we, it needs to represent for a little while, at least. Like, it just, yeah, there's something really flawed about this role. Like, he's kind of my least favorite thing about this movie yeah i can see that okay um best ensemble do we want to say best ensemble i feel like maybe well let's go down the list gary sinise robin wright mckelty williamson slow joey sally field sally field slow joey (laughs) yeah that's enough for me oh can you do the fact that you told me earlier oh yeah so in three this is actually awesome you'll appreciate this as a fellow Nicolas cage fan in three unrelated movies forrest gump con air and the purge election year mckelty williamson's character befriends the hero gets shot in the stomach and has at least one conversation with the hero before dying or getting hauled away in an ambulance wow that's impressive that's certainly a thing that happens also relating to that uh, you know, he plays Bubba, up for consideration, Bubba turning it down, Dave Chappelle, both in Con Air. Hey. Best fight? No. No, he wins every fight in one punch. And, like, he picks every fight, too, so. Yeah, best dance scene, adult Hanks, adult Forrest, I don't think dances. Does, I guess at the end he dances hmm. through the window, like, Jenny teaches him how to dance, but that's not, yeah. I'm not going to nominate that. Best party scene? No. You know, like, the New Year's party that gets, like way uncomfortable, way fast when they go back to Lieutenant Dance. No, I do not. <laughs> I don't either. Um, best Hank's outfit, wardrobe, blue checker, plaid, not really there. Best death, does not die. Best line or best freakout? Is there something in here? I mean, 
Life is like a box of chocolates. We can cut it up, but I think we have to put it there. I mean, there's other things. Ah, was running. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. He says stupid is as stupid does a yes. few times. That's his yes. response when he's called stupid. Uh, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know what that means. And because people respond. I think it means if you do stupid things, you are stupid. I don't think like I think that's what it means. I don't think that's like literally what that sentence means. But I think that they're saying because she's saying that like when people call you stupid, you're not stupid. If you don't do stupid things, you're not stupid. Like people are gonna think that you're they're gonna call you stupid. I think is the sentiment. But if you don't do stupid things, you're not stupid. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But that's not like literally what that sentence structure means. Yeah, I found it very confusing because every time he says it, like someone calls him stupid, and then he says that, and they're just like, ah, you're right. <laughs> right, like it explained everything. I did not understand that expression. I'm still trying to figure out what season of the witch means. And like... <laughs> Just anybody. Donovan, Halloween 3, Nicolas Cage. Romero. One of the things that I'm trying to figure out, and maybe not try to figure out, but like trying to understand if this is how she meant it. But like as Forrest is a kid getting picked on, she keeps telling Forrest, you're not special. Like because kids call him special. Doctors say he's special in the bad way, like in the, oh, like we have to keep like kids gloves, you know what I mean? Like he has to go to special school. And she keeps saying you're not special, which I feel like is the opposite of 2019. You know what I mean? It's just like every everyone is special. Right. It's weird in that. We're, I know what she means. I know what the movie's saying is like, you should be treated like everyone else. Like you're not special in the sense that your disability sets you apart or anything. But yeah, like he, like normally the message is, everyone's special right like there's something special about you like there's something inside you like no one else got or anything and like it leads me to believe that maybe she's just like a bad mom to a degree like she tells him like vacation is where people go and they never come back so like will Forrest Gump never go on vacation his entire life you know what I'm saying like I just wonder what else she has like imparted into that brain of his I don't know I mean to her credit uh, this character is not special. <laughs> All right, that's you know that's not a bad call. I, I will uh, I will take that. Best soundtrack theme score. I'm gonna say no, well, dude. Best the sound. Worst. Wait, hold on. I, I that's one thing I gotta object. This soundtrack okay. is is pretty epic. Like it does a few terrible suicide squad drops right like well, it's when, like we're going to vietnam we got one of the three songs <laughs> or like when robin wright penn's walking out of a door they play the doors and she's walking out the door like as soon as she walks out the door but uh, i didn't even catch that it is kind they've somehow managed to license like every song from the 60s in the 70s in this movie that like it, it's almost like a top 100 like hits sort of compilation so i remember owning this and listening to these songs a lot all right i will put that down there best or worst love story forrest and jenny worst love story is it a love story worst i don't know most awkward but is is it even a love story he's definitely in love with her she just kind of uses him when she needs to that's why I think it's worst. It's not best. Why are you not sure, Austin? What What's holding you back? Well, I think she does love him as a friend. I think she does care for him. And I, I didn't see her as taking advantage of him. But, you know, I think it's also... I just think it's weird that, you know, she does anything sexual with him. Um, but she cares for him as a friend. But it's like, he's a dumb person. I don't know. It just made me... I just didn't 
I felt very conflicted about it. I think we're supposed okay. to root for them, but I wasn't sure if she was, like, victimizing him. All right. So you think it's more unremarkable. It's not best or worst. It's just sort of in the middle. Well, no. I, yeah, I want to go best or worst. I just thought it was awkward. Okay. Most badass role, I'm going to say no. And then best non-Hanks actor, male or female. Is there someone in here that stands out among the rest? And beyond just the ensemble, anybody in here that we want to nominate best of the best non-Hanks actor, male or female? I mean, for me, it's Sinise. Like I was saying earlier, like I think he is my favorite part of this movie. I don't know that he's in the same movie as every. I think he's in the movie I wish we were all watching. Like we were all watching the same movie as he's acting in because like when he's in this, I love the, just uh, all the stuff he does. Like he, you know, from the war stuff, and then he comes back and he's on the boat and everything. And like those are just my my favorite moments. So yeah, he's good, and he's I think bringing the most emotion to the movie. All right, and I will say, because we're going to get three movies with him, right, that that, that works, that applies, so, right, so I'll put that in there. So, okay, so, we nominated this for Best Hanks Role, Best Ensemble, Best Line, Best Soundtracks Theme Score, and Best Non-Hanks Actor Male, so five things. Not bad, sort of more than I was thinking, but it won more Academy Awards than we nominated uh, the Woodies, but... You know, they can't all be winners here. Um, next week, Mike, you and I over on Cruise Club are going to be covering The Last Samurai, almost a full decade ahead. 2003 is The Last Samurai on Cruise Club. I've never seen it. I'm looking forward to it. And I don't know if I saw, I think I started it, and I don't think I finished it. And we're going to have Mad Holly Goron. Uh-huh. And then in two weeks, we will be joined by two guests, in theory, hopefully, knock on wood, for Apollo 13, another nominated for Best Picture. Hanks, again, continuing that, that role, that streak, the golden mile. We are now, I think, I think, knock wood for another decade or so. Like, it's all movies I'm looking forward to, right? Because we got Apollo 13, Toy Story, That Thing You Do. We gotta decide, Mike, if we're gonna do the Charlie's cut or not. I mean, he's the director, and it's the director's cut, so I feel like we gotta do the Charlie's cut. I don't know. Saving Private Ryan, You've Got Mail, Toy Story 2, The Green Mile, Castaway, Road to Perdition, which I'm very interested I've on. Never I've never seen I, either. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for a while, like we've got honestly nothing but good movies. So I am uh, excited to see that. But yeah, we are now past Gump, and again onto the heart of the Green Golden Whatever Mile, uh, the best of the best. Smooth sailing from here on out. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on not only this episode, but all of these episodes of the Tom Tom Club that you have joined us for. If people want to find you online, where can you be found if you want to be found? Uh, Letterboxd is a good place. Um, that's where I'm most active on social media. And I'll, as always, uh, you can find me on Venmo. You know, if you just want to send me money. Like, you know... You know how a Patreon, you can, like, send people money and then you get something in return? Well, what I do is uh, not give you anything in return. So for as little as $5 a month, oh. you can uh, get nothing. Wow. You can Well, okay, you can get a like on the transaction. <laughs> oh, did you like my transaction when I sent you money or no? Or is that too, was the money too low? I think I did. No, I, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah. So find me on Venmo. Search. I, I don't even know. I think it's Wolf Southern. It might be Austin Wolf Southern. But you can find me on there and just send me money and I will like the transaction. And if you want to, yeah, if you want to send me money every month, every week, every day, anything, uh, you know, feel free. Cool. Yeah, you're basically Wolf Southern kind of everywhere on the internet. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, that is true. Cool. I mean, All you can right, certainly so. find me searching that because there there aren't any other Wolf Southerns. And yes, I just uh, dropped into the chat uh, the the photographic proof. Um, awesome Wolf Southern liked the post. 
I heard you on the cool podcast, hashtag Hanks. For all things Hanks of the Memories and Cruise Club and all 26 shows, including Viva Pod Vegas, we mentioned earlier, our Elvis Presley film podcast, one episode out now, in theory, unless something goes horribly wrong with either Mike's life, my life, or the release of Nicolas Cage in Grand Isle, or just the world in general, we will have another episode of Viva Pod Vegas in about a week, I think next weekend. We're going to be getting together for a new Cage Club and a new Viva Pod Vegas, so check those out. Go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub. We're at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week over on Cruise Club for The Last Samurai. Come back here in two weeks for Apollo 13. Go back into the archives to hear all of the wonderful episodes with Austin Wolf Southern and every other guest that we've had so far. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Austin Wolf Southern of Venmo. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories. And that's all I have to say about that.